Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen right now is the world-famous PlayStation brand logo of Sony fame. Why is it on your screen right now? Well, as it turns out, we had not one, but two separate videos on both major video game manufacturers, Xbox and PlayStation, having to deal with the fallout of what else? Epic versus Apple. If you haven't followed that in this space, we've done a long playlist called an antitrust epic that talks a little bit about the specifics of that case, which launched this morning and more specifically links you to a number of these documents that you can look through for yourself in order to determine what's interesting in the discovery process of that litigation. As I said earlier this morning, we found very interesting Microsoft's internal review of Sony exclusive The Last of Us Part Two. I know a number of you also found it interesting, so please do check out that video if you're interested. But as I said, this video isn't about Microsoft and their Xbox hardware, it's about Sony and their PlayStation 1. What is it about? Well, as Tom Warren at The Verge says in his tweet, this is an email from Sony to Epic Games in 2018 dismissing the idea of crossplay for Fortnite. Epic Games had pitched crossplay announced with Sony where Epic goes out of its way to make Sony look like heroes. Or as he headlined in an article that he did on this Twitter thread, Sony really hated PS4 crossplay confidential documents reveal. And as I said in that Microsoft video, I am very appreciative of Tom Warren and the rest of the journalists and internet purveyors that are going through the documents in the discovery process of Epic versus Apple, quite frankly, because it's a load of materials and not any one person has the ability to go through them all, except for, of course, the legal teams that are getting paid millions of dollars to do so. So what did Mr. Warren find? Well, as he describes it, it's no secret that Sony held back PS4 cross-platform play for years. But new confidential documents and emails reveal just how much Sony was against letting people play the same game with their friends on other platforms. It now appears that Sony may have been holding out to offset potential revenue losses. In the months leading up to Sony's decision to block Fortnite crossplay in 2018, Epic Games had pleaded with Sony to enable crossplay emails in the Epic Games versus Apple case reveal. I can't think of a scenario where Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibility went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on PlayStation. That's not really pleading as I would describe it, but we'll look at the actual emails themselves to talk about what I see as a commercial contract lawyer on these issues. Now, it's also worth noting that even though Mr. Warren declares here in the top paragraph of his article that it now appears that Sony may have been holding out to offset potential revenue losses. That, to my mind, was re really never in question. The only reason why Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo or anyone else was holding off on crossplay and still has certain requirements, which we will definitely be talking about as part of this video, was because of this notion that somebody could go to the platform that they had built, that they had designed, that they had spent money on, and then money on advertising to get eyeballs following them. They could play the game on that hardware and love it, and then go and buy their V-Bucks or gems or what have you on the Xbox or the Nintendo Switch. And the C-level executives at Sony, who was the leader in the hardware race at the PlayStation 4 level, might well be at the PlayStation 5 level as well, look at a situation like that and says, our asset is our audience. We have the eyeballs. People want access to them. And when we give that access to Microsoft at Xbox or to Nintendo over at their Switch, they are gaining something and we are concerned that we are losing something, that that V-Buck money will go through a different store somewhere else. So Sony was always concerned about this and Epic really never sold them on it.
for a long, long time. Or as Epic says in this email that Tom Warren found in the Discovery Materials, we love working with PlayStation and we want this to be a win-win. The longer this drags out, it will be less so. I can't think of a scenario where Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibility went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on PlayStation. Now, Mr. Warren describes this as pleading, and it is indeed pleading. As we will see, they offer a lot of things to try to get Sony on board. However, for those of you less inclined to believe Epic and the tone they take in an email like this one, that does come across a little bit like that's a nice hardware ecosystem. It would be a shame if anything were to happen to it. Here's what Epic proposed. We give you the data you are asking for, plus the marketing data ask. There's some privacy data. There's some stuff that they want that helps analytics-wise their business function. Epic deeply integrates Sony's eSports API into Unreal Engine 4 as an engine-level feature. We market and advertise it as a first-class citizen of the engine, maybe at E3, and we support it in Fortnite. We announce crossplay in conjunction with Sony. Epic goes out of its way to make Sony look like heroes. You get to pick the when, where, and how. Epic brands its E3 presence with PlayStation. We're planning a 100-player celebrity pro-am with huge after-party. Budgets I've seen are huge, and it will be the biggest event at E3. Maybe we announce with all the celebs on stage, new partnership, plus plus. Epic's willing to explore more items. Maybe we commit to a game at the launch of your next VR platform. PS Plus, maybe we do something extra special for a month, offer a unique character or something highly valuable to drive PS adoption even more. Epic extends the Sony company-wide Unreal Engine 4 license. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but your license to use Unreal Engine 4 expires in May of 2019. That license has some of the best terms we've ever offered for Unreal Engine 4. Now that again, that's a long list of potentially nice things to do for Sony to get them on board with this crossplay. Why does Epic want them on board? Because it increases the value of their product the more the audience can be shared across these various platforms. Epic is well-intentioned here to get their game in front of eyeballs. Sony is cautious, and neither side is really wrong in looking at this from these particular perspectives. But if you get to item seven and say, hey, by the way, your engine license is up and we gave you great terms last time. Wouldn't you like to re-up on those same great terms? Again, you get that little patina of, hmm, you should really start dealing with us, Sony, or we can make life difficult for you, which is hardball. It's business, ladies and gentlemen, and that's not unusual, and I don't want to throw Epic under the bus for doing this. I just wouldn't describe this as pleading, and I wouldn't frame Sony as the only potentially bad actor here, which is something people are going to be inclined to do as we get into the second part of this video. Let's make this a huge win for us all. Epic's not changing its mind on the issue, so let's just agree on it now. Pressure, 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 agree, we'll give you all these nice things, let's do cross-play. And of course, as a fan of video games, as a consumer and not producer of them or the hardware, I love cross-play as well. And it's easy to side with Epic on trying to force Sony's hand here. Now, what did Sony say in response? Hey, Joe, thanks for the note. Sorry that you feel things are moving too slowly for Epic with PlayStation and cross-platform play. I was under the impression that there was no movement with Microsoft on cross-platform. Has that changed? Also, as mobile is important to you, our tournament APIs are important to us. That's the ask. I appreciate the points you've listed in the mail. There are a lot of great ideas in here for a continued partnership. However, cross-platform play is not a slam dunk, no matter the size of the title. As you know, many companies are exploring this idea, and not a single one can explain how cross-console play improves the PlayStation business. More on that line in just a second. Open to your thoughts if Epic has ideas on this since we all last talked. In the meantime, I will forward your mail to our executives and we'll get their thoughts and responses ASAP. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Now, the line that people have plucked out of this particular email is the one I said we would talk about. 
as you know, many companies are exploring this idea. Many developers and publishers want to push Sony into cross-platform play at this point in time, and not a single one can explain how cross-console play improves the PlayStation business. Now, there are a couple of things here. We've talked in virtual legality about fiduciary responsibility, fiduciary duty. As an officer of the company, here listed as senior director, this individual has an obligation to try to better the position of Sony and the PlayStation brand most specifically. And so when he's talking to any business partner, you might be on Epic's side of this one, and that's perfectly well and good. He has to look at it as how does this help PlayStation? How does this help my company grow? Because as an officer, he has an obligation with other people's money to not spend it willy-nilly, to not do things that could potentially harm the brand. And he has to go through this process of considering what is good and what is bad for the company to whom he reports. So here, this line doesn't really ring as a corporate lawyer to me as badly as I can tell on the internet, it rings to some of you. It's his job to make sure that things benefit PlayStation. Now, I think it's also worth noting that the counter argument here, and I don't know if this was ever presented by Epic, is, hey, helping your consumers, helping your customers, helping gamers that will love this announcement is helping you. We are framing all the things we're offering to you as putting you out there like heroes because we know we're going to exert some negative pressure in terms of PR on you. And in fact, they did. That's what happened. That's where you had the the leak that showed that Fortnite played perfectly fine on PlayStation and things of that nature, which now having seen Project Liberty and Epic versus Apple, I don't think we can assume was solely accidental on Epic Games' part. But they were exposing that Sony was not holding this up for a technological reason, but was instead concerned about their bottom line and the growth of the company. Now, as I've said in virtual legality and on Twitter and elsewhere, as a gamer, you don't have to be invested at all. In fact, I recommend not being invested in the growth of Sony or the growth of PlayStation. You are not on the same side as these brands that you otherwise purchase products from. So I totally understand you coming to me and saying, hey, Rick, is this untowards? Is this okay? Because he should be looking at other things despite the PlayStation business. That is in as short a point as I can make it, not his job. But it might have been something that he overlooked that if this was going to happen anyway, it could have benefited Sony even more to get on board and to try to lead rather than follow on something that was going to be important to its customer base. It's always tricky to think of these things. It's always tricky to predict the future, which is one of the reasons why if he made the wrong call here, and he might have, then it's not something that is illegal. It's not something that you can get burned by from your stockholders or anyone else because we have something called the business judgment rule that says at the moment in time, if you had justifications, if a reasonable person could have arrived at the position that you did, then you're going to be okay. The law isn't going to act against you. So in terms of what's happening here, I see Epic trying to pressure a little bit, trying to bully a little bit more than it has been reported. I see Sony responding with, hey, tell me a story that I can give to my accountants and my financial people about how this benefits the PlayStation brand. And when you do that, maybe we'll get on board. And neither side really meeting in the middle on that particular situation. Now, as Mr. Warren continues here in his Verge article, but as of August 2019, it appears that Sony may have found a worthy argument, a way to potentially siphon off money from its competitors in exchange for access to PlayStation players. Now, There's a couple of things happening here. And Mr. Warren, I really enjoy his work. I enjoy his articles on The Verge. But over the past couple of weeks slash months, it is clear that he's got certain thoughts on the way Apple versus Epic is operating, the materials that are coming out of that. And so there is editorializing here that I would ask you to just kind of put aside for a second. We don't need the phrasing, siphon off money. We can talk about this 
a little bit more neutrally. But it is true that Sony found a way to try to get paid, or so it seems. As Mr. Warren continues, the email correspondence doesn't reveal where the issue ultimately ended up, but a document entitled Cross-Platform Policy Requirements and Process from August 2019 after Sony's change reveals how Sony may now approach cross-play. So let's take a look at this. I got DM'd this uh, a great number of times. Thank you, hat tip to everyone who did so. Uh, I can't see everything, obviously, and I always appreciate being made aware of these kinds of issues. There are a couple of things that jump out to me just looking at this, and we're going to go over it all in detail. The first is in the bottom right, Epic. It's an Epic document. It comes from Epic versus Apple. We can expect more kind of little documents about a lot of different technology and video game players to come out of this court case. Uh, Very interesting, obviously, for those of you that are interested uh, in the business and legal side of the industry, but it will come in kind of fits and starts. So we'll respond to it as we can. The other item that pops out at me is in the bottom left. Highly confidential, attorney's eyes only. Now, it is branded with PlayStation. Sony might just internally use their favorite branding uh, and thumbnail and PowerPoint presentations uh, for their own internal documents. But this is the way that a large corporation or entity generally helps inform a significantly sized legal contingent. Right? You've got your in-house counsel that has helped negotiating contracts on the regular. You've got your outside counsel that's dealing with really tough stuff and unusual stuff that isn't your operational day-to-day, such as Epic and Apple hired outside counsel to deal with the giant antitrust action, which is not how they ordinarily conduct their business. But for that internal contingent, what you want to have, if you're Sony, if you're Microsoft, if you're any other company that you can think of that has a legal team internally at their company, you want to help advise those attorneys how they're going to negotiate your positions because there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of them and paper flying across desks every single day of the week. A lot of my clients who I've done work for actually have binders that they hand you. This is how we like to handle indemnification. This is how we like to handle fees and date of service and intellectual property ownership. And do you have any questions? And then if I have a team that I'm helping with someone at another company, I help create those kinds of materials and help educate those attorneys as to what the company wants to add some sense of uniformity for how it's dealing with multiple giant other entities. Here, what I see is very likely a document that was designed by PlayStation, by Sony, to help advise its people how it wanted to deal with cross-platform revenues. And we're going to take a look at another major agreement that's going to help indicate to us how this was done in practice. Now, we don't know whether this actually went into effect. We don't know if this is Sony's current policy with respect to cross-platform cross-platform revenue share, but we can look at it at bare minimum as a thought experiment and help analyze what it is that they were attempting to achieve. So this document is called cross-platform policy, not rules, and that's notable. If the proportion of PSN revenue share divided by PS4 gameplay share for a title is less than 0.85 in any given month, the partner will pay SIE a royalty to offset the reduction in revenue. Hmm. What does that say? Well, These publishers, these folks that are going to sell either physical or digital games on the PlayStation ecosystem are going to report certain numbers as part of their agreement with Sony to Sony. One of those numbers is going to be how much money did we make overall in all sales of this particular product? How much money are we giving to you uh, as what you've earned? How much money is going to be calculated as your revenue share based on the royalties we've agreed to in the publishing agreement? And also... What is the gameplay share? How many minutes, in all likelihood, 
are people playing this game on PlayStation versus on Xbox versus on Switch, what have you. And chances are the report doesn't have to itemize it by the various competitors. It just has to aggregate it for what is our percentage. And if that percentage starts to deviate our revenue share from our gameplay share by more than 15%, that's your 0.85, well, then we start to need recompense. And we're going to talk about the logic behind why in just a second. The partner has no obligation to pay SIE, that's Sony, a royalty in months where PSN revenue share divided by PS4 gameplay share is greater than 0.85. If you can keep it within that 15% kind of cushion area, we're not going to charge you, even if the PlayStation gameplay share is higher, which we'll actually see in their example. Both PSN revenue share and PS4 gameplay share are determined by the information provided by the partner in the data requirements, capital D, capital R, which is what we talked about at the top of this section. And then you get this example. So we pretend it's month one and you've made a million dollars in applicable revenue. There's all sorts of ways that we can calculate this, but this is just for purposes of understanding what it is they're talking about here. A million dollars in applicable revenue. We've gotten 900,000 of it. That makes our revenue share 90% and 95% gameplay share on PlayStation, which is notable, right? If we just look at this, we see that Sony, who's enabling crossplay, let's just pretend it's Fortnite right now, has 95% of players on its platform. Very optimistic, right? You got to love internal documents. 95% of its players are on their platform, but they're only realizing 90% of the possible revenue, which means that what we talked about at the top of this video, that Sony might be concerned about people playing it on their system where they really enjoy the hardware or other aspects of it, but for some reason buying it through a different interface whether that's at work, whether that's through their phone, whether that's on the Xbox, they're buying it through that other interface means Sony doesn't get its cut of running the store that it wants to get. Obviously what Epic and Apple are fighting about right now in respect of the iOS ecosystem. And so they aren't getting as much money as they think they otherwise would. But because 90 and 95 are close enough, they're not 15% separated, you owe us $0 for that revenue share. By virtue of a counterexample, then they put forward month two in which there's still that million dollar total revenue across all platforms and only $600,000 of it goes through the PlayStation ecosystem. Now that 600,000 over a million gets you to that 60% revenue share, but the gameplay share didn't change for whatever reason, the way this particular game is working, people are playing it on the PlayStation, but they aren't paying for it on the PlayStation. In the era of free-to-play and cross-platform capabilities, that presents a potential problem for Sony. Sony says, well, look, we've put all this money into developing an ecosystem where people want to play. It's at 95%. And yet, for some reason, people are spending money buying it elsewhere. And so we want a cut of the difference. Now, they don't get the whole cut of the difference. Right? If you go and you look at what this math actually does, it says cross-platform revenue, that's your million dollars, across all cohorts times the PlayStation 4 gameplay shares, the 95%. So we think, hey, we're Sony, we have this big massive position in the hardware level, and so we would have gotten $950,000. So do they owe them $350,000 is the difference? No, they owe $950,000 minus the $600,000 that you've paid us, 
And then we take some kind of royalty percentage. Here, it's indicated that that is to be 15%. Interestingly, in this slide, that 15% number kind of comes out of nowhere. It should probably be a bullet up at the top for attorneys to understand what we're talking about because that's going to have to be specified separately. But you take that $350,000 difference and you say, we're going to apply another 15% on it. That's how you get this $52,000 payment right here. And this math is all established below the table. Now, you don't have to agree with Sony. But this wasn't brand new when Sony apparently introduced this concept in 2019. To see that, let's look at the last couple of bullets here, and then we can take a look at the document that kind of indicates that it wasn't brand new as a concept. The partner shall provide each Sony territory with monthly reports of any such PS4 revenue share and shall pay the applicable Sony territory invoice within 30 days of the date of the invoice. So that first bullet says, okay, we're going to agree to 30 days net payments on when that's established. Payments commence on the month the title exceeds or is expected to exceed $500,000 in PSN gross revenue within a 12-month period. So we're not going to hit the tiny developers. We're not going to hit the real small fries. Once you make more than $500,000 in gross revenue on our service, that's when all of this kicks in. And Sony has the right to audit partner books and records related to the cross-platform revenue share in accordance with section 151.3 of the GDPA. And that leads us to the next spot in this little treasure quest we call cross-play dev charges. 151.3 of the GDPA will take us to a document called the PlayStation Global Developer and Publisher Agreement. Now, a couple of things. I put this on your screen. This is from the Securities and Exchange Commission and their Edgar service. This is a 2017 document. So this all happens before what it was that we were talking about as part of this video. So we can basically be sure that this document has been changed in some respects since 2017 through that 2019 adjustment that we see described in the slide we're looking at for purposes of this video. And of course, through 2021, which as far as I know, is the year in which we're currently living, although they have blended together a little bit in this age of Corona. So we look at this 2017 document. This four point of reference is actually the publisher agreement that was entered into with Take-Two Interactive Software. We scroll down and down and down and we see that there is in fact no section 151. Not really a surprise. Even the giant global mega corporations don't generally make documents that are 150 plus provisions long. So looking at that slide, we can kind of surmise that it was a likely typo and we start looking at maybe 15.1.3. That would be the same kind of concept. Does that reflect what was being talked about in that slide? Well, if we go over to that particular section, we find that indeed it does. It talks about audit rights. Publisher shall keep full, complete, and accurate records covering all transactions relating to physical media products ordered and manufactured pursuant to this GDPA, including the wholesale price received for physical media products, and all records relating to quote-unquote indirect revenue under section 15.3. Now we know when we're talking about crossplay with Fortnite, we aren't talking about physical media products, but are we talking about indirect revenue? Well, let's go check out section 15.3 and we'll see where Sony has been dealing with this conceptually since as far back as 2017. 15.3, indirect revenue if publisher intends to monetize or receive any revenue or other monetary benefit derived from the exploitation of PlayStation compatible products, including related online activity. So if you're going to make money somehow associated with using our brand products or services, other than 
from the sale of physical media products pursuant to section 9.1 or digitally delivered products via PSN pursuant to section 9.2. So you're getting money. It's related to our product. We're not counting when you sell a game. Then publishers shall notify the applicable Sony company and enter into good faith negotiations regarding the royalty to be paid to Sony on revenue received by or credited to publisher at a rate to be agreed by the parties. So Sony has, in the back of their mind, always, in this section 15.3, contemplated a notion that somebody could potentially make money off of being associated with the Sony brand. Could be using Sony logos, could be using PlayStation references, could be using something like that. But if we think about what crossplay is, and we think about Sony's position, especially in the PlayStation 4 generation, where we knew where things shook out, then if you're sitting at Sony headquarters and you're thinking about how you're going to make more money for Sony and for the stockholders, you say, hey, we've got the biggest audience in video games, at least on the console level. And these guys want to help boost their Xbox ecosystem, their phone ecosystem, other ecosystems by allowing their game to interact with a PlayStation audience. And so that's something that we are giving to them. That is, they're monetizing something that is associated with our brand. In fact, if you get to the bottom of this section, you see it says, for clarity, this whole thing doesn't apply to revenue generated from publishers' products where such product, A, does not use or incorporate any Sony materials. Okay, Fortnite isn't using Sony materials with the exception now of like Aloy and other things that Sony has directly licensed to them. Does not operate on or interact with any system Okay, now you're starting to get into an area where we think we probably are coming into this section. Does crossplay, does playing Fortnite on your Xbox interact with a PlayStation? Hmm, maybe not directly, which gets us to C, does not interact with any licensed product operating on a system. Surely your Xbox running Fortnite is interacting with somebody's PlayStation running Fortnite. And now, because of kind of the inverse of reading this section where they say these things are not under this section, we can take it to mean if you fall under C, you are under this section, which is a very broad definition, but this is a publisher agreement for you. So Sony looks at this and says, okay, we've got this indirect revenue concept and our attorneys want to know what to do with a cross-play game here in 2019. And what our contract actually says is we agree to agree on this later, right? If you intend to monetize or you actually receive revenue, derived from the exploitation of PlayStation-compatible products, including what we can now determine is interacting with a licensed product operating on our system, then you'll notify us that that's happening. And what'll happen? It's not an instant giving of a royalty. It's that we will enter into good faith negotiations regarding the royalty to be paid. And if we fail, then we're going to hit this penalty number that nobody wants to hit. You definitely don't want to do that. We want to encourage you to negotiate with us. And who's going to be doing the negotiating? Well, it's going to be the attorneys. And Sony needs to inform their attorneys what they want this thing to look like with most publishers. But when you have a provision like this that basically says you're going to enter into a different agreement with us, you start to separate out from just the publishing agreement, from this kind of uniformity of how these particular relationships are treated. So as I put out there in social media when this was all happening and people were DMing me about it, it wouldn't surprise me if different publishers, different developers, different folks that run into this question where you've got more than $500,000 in gross revenues, you want to have cross-platform play enabled, and you've got this separation, have different numbers. Most specifically, this 15%. If you're Fortnite or you're Epic and you've got some big 
really voluminous amount of money that could potentially go to Sony, maybe that's 10%. Maybe that's 5%. Maybe it's a free Unreal Engine 4 or 5 license, right? Sony and Epic have been very close lately. Sony has now invested $500 million or so in Epic, coming a lot from the relationships we saw kind of strained at this cross-play level and Sony deciding to hitch their wagon to Epic, which they think really does have a winning hand with respect to Fortnite and the Unreal Engine development pathway. So Sony is now very much invested in Epic, and this all might have resulted from those conversations. We don't know if this is the way they treat this section, because this section doesn't really say exactly what indirect revenue is. This is one of those sections we talk about in virtual legality that is at least ambiguous enough that Sony can come in and say, whoa, 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 you are receiving revenue derived from the exploitation of PlayStation compatible products, which if you're not talking to an attorney on the other end, the person says, what? Go check 15.3. And then you get into a discussion and then you start talking about potential royalties with a penalty royalty rate sitting right here. And so Sony has been thinking about this conceptually for a long, long time. One of the other questions that was raised to me was, is Sony the only one doing this? I don't know. I don't know whether any of the other platform holders are potentially charging for cross-platform play because I don't know whether Sony is. I am willing to look at this from either angle and say certainly the audience leader in console gaming, as PlayStation was with PlayStation 4, does potentially have something to lose here. And by giving this kind of grace period of 15% and saying, look, it's only when we separate a lot from the actual gameplay on PlayStation to the amount of money coming into you, Mr. Developer, that we start to ask for additional royalties because you're using our audience and our platform and our marketing and our goodwill in a way that doesn't get us paid in the manner that we have otherwise agreed to in our publishing document. So yes, this looks bad. Everybody sent this to me because they wanted to ask if Sony was evil and this was outrageous and this was anti-consumer. And certainly you don't like to see a hardware manufacturer just saying, hey, I'd like an extra pound of flesh for this particular transaction. But I do think if you look at this and you look at how they're actually defining this as requiring a separation from gameplay and revenue, that you can justify it if you're on Sony's side to say it's only when you've got a big split. And maybe you want this to be, it has to be a split of 30% or more. Maybe you want this to only be a rate of 5%, just as a little kicker to say, we're going to try to even this up or what have you. But Regardless of the numbers, conceptually, this isn't something that strikes me as terribly odd. This is a company with an asset that is saying, hey, I've got this asset. We think we're giving up something by giving this consumer base to you. And so we would like to get paid for it. However, certainly from the gaming perspective, from my perspective, crossplay is only a benefit to us. And so we would certainly like to see the Sonys of the world, the Microsofts, Nintendos, whomever else might be considering a payment like this to just say, hey, look, crossplay helps everybody. Let the chips fall where they may on the hardware you deliver and the rest of the marketing, but let's not separate these ecosystems. And you guys can battle it out on a different metric because bigger audiences for more games helps more games survive. And isn't it the worst when you're playing a multiplayer game and the audience isn't big enough because it's bifurcated across 25 different shards and you know it could at least survive if there was cross-play across these multiple platforms. And of course, Sony knows that this doesn't look great for it and whether or not by coincidence, Sony had a big announcement to give today. Discord, previously in virtual legality for being under consideration for purchase by Microsoft, instead today announced a partnership with PlayStation or more specifically, PlayStation announced it with Given the context of this video, the somewhat ironic first line at PlayStation, we're constantly looking for new ways to enable players around the world to connect with one another. 
form new friendships and communities, and share fun experiences and lasting memories. Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily while playing games together. Sony has seen the error in their ways. Whether or not they're getting paid to see that error is an open question, but are moving towards a more connected ecosystem and community. Is that because of Epic? Is that because of Microsoft? Is that because of dollars in the door? Hard for us to say from the outside, but it's certainly beneficial to gamers on the whole. And I don't think Sony was completely crazy to ask for money if there was a significant difference between the amount played on their systems and the amount they were realizing in revenue. This has been Virtual Legality for today, part two. If you enjoy these conversations about business and law, video games, music, movies, television, pop culture, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon, Streamlabs tips, a store with shirts, and one single mug, and people asking for more mugs, I know. Or if you just prefer, subscribe, ring the bell, give up votes, down votes, leave a comment, help Google and YouTube understand that we're here, and most importantly, tell your friends that we're having these conversations because every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Thank you.